Inside the Vatican listeners, it's Colleen Deli back with a deep dive episode on the Vatican's deal with China. November was a whirlwind of news, both for the church and the world. The U.S. election dominated much of the news cycle and held the attention of many in Rome, and directly on its heels came the McCarrick Report. But in the midst of all of this, the Vatican and China renewed their historic and controversial deal. And the stakes are higher than ever. After two years, this deal is set to become permanent. But first, each side wants to see some changes. So this week, we'll take you into the story of this historic relationship between China and the Vatican, how they're compromising, where they're unwilling to compromise, and what needs to happen before they'll establish a permanent diplomatic relationship. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Every relationship has a history. And the Vatican and China have both been around for far too long to go into their whole history. But what you need to know here is that in 1949, the Chinese Communist Party came to power. They were officially anti-religion. And after two years of putting pressure on the Vatican to get out of the country, China fabricated a story that tied the Holy See to a plot to kill Mao Zedong. They kicked the Vatican's diplomatic mission out of China for espionage. But even though China got rid of the Vatican's presence in 1951, they didn't get rid of its Catholics. By 1957, facing pressure from the government, Catholics in China split into two separate communities. One is called the Open Church, where members are part of the Chinese Patriotic Catholic Association. Their bishops are approved by the government, and all members are registered with the state. Some people have also described this as a stricter, more rules-based Catholicism. And then there's the underground Catholic community. While this name conjures images of the early Christians praying in the catacombs, some of these communities actually do have church buildings. What makes them underground is that they refuse to join the Patriotic Association. These days, they're often called unregistered Catholics. So why don't these unregistered Catholics want to join the Patriotic Association? One of their big concerns is that If you're registered, the Communist Party must approve any decisions that are made. So, for example, the party wants nuns and convents to vote on decisions rather than having them handed down by a mother superior. And that sometimes puts religious communities in tension with the traditional church hierarchy. This became a major sticking point in Vatican-China relations. The underground Catholics' refusal to cooperate with the state is not taken lightly. Unregistered Catholics face arrest, indoctrination camps, and even death. China is very keen to have every religious group under control. That's America Magazine's Vatican correspondent Gerard O'Connell, who has covered the Vatican's relationship with China for decades. And so they put a lot of pressure on the underground church, the bishops first of all, then the priests, but also the people. With the bishops and priests sometimes just picking them up, taking them away to an unknown destination for indoctrination courses, then releasing them, then trying to get them back. So harassing them in many ways. Their life was not easy. China wanted to gain control. It doesn't accept that anything is not under the control of the party in in the country. And it was amid those kinds of disappearances that the Vatican signed its provisional deal with China back in September 2018. 
This weekend, the Vatican announced a historic agreement between the Catholic Church and China on the appointment of bishops. The diplomatic breakthrough could open the door for a papal visit to China. In September, the Holy See signed a historic agreement with China to appoint new bishops. It's the first agreement since Mao Zedong expelled the nuncio in Beijing in 1951, when the regime began appointing bishops on its own. This deal was a huge step in the Vatican's relationship with China. For the first time in 70 years, each side was extending an olive branch to the other, saying, maybe we can work together. Or, to put it more politically, maybe if we work together, we can each get something we want. So let's talk about what each side stands to gain from the deal, starting with the Vatican. The Vatican has two priorities. Re-establish a relationship with China and bring all of the Catholic bishops there into communion with Rome. When the Communist Party started choosing its own bishops in defiance of church tradition, these bishops were automatically excommunicated. The deal signed in 2018 effectively put those bishops back in communion with the church and set up a system where the Communist Party could organize democratic elections of bishops, provided that the Vatican had the power to veto those choices. On China's side, having a new relationship with the Vatican has meant gaining some soft power. Since the exact terms of the deal are secret, Chinese authorities have been able to exercise more control over the country's Catholics by saying, look, the Vatican's on our side. And that's where this starts to get tricky. In the two years since the Vatican and China signed this deal, China has been cracking down even harder on religious minorities, including Catholics. China's crackdown on the Muslim Uyghur minority. Human rights campaigners say that over a million people have been interned in concentration camps in the far west province of Xinjiang. Police came in and removed our crosses and books, he says. They told us the gatherings are illegal. In reality, entire families are forced out of their homes, their houses left empty, and they disappear overnight. If a parent takes a child to church, the parent can be penalized and the child's future can be penalized. You cannot have religious education of children. They cannot participate in church services or anything linked to the church under the age of 18. Although the Vatican has protested this in its private channels, it has said next to nothing publicly. And that's drawn a lot of criticism. In a few days, Mike Pompeo will visit the Vatican, but he has already made his intentions known. The U.S. Secretary of State on Twitter says the Vatican endangers its moral authority should it renew the deal with China. It's not just outsiders like Mike Pompeo who are worried. Jerry reported this summer that even though the Vatican has spoken positively about the deal publicly, Vatican officials admit privately that they feel like they're walking a tightrope. You know, it's hard to say. I think first thing we have to get across is that, <laughs> newsflash, China is an enormous country. Here's Zach Davis. He's an America Magazine editor who hosted America's popular documentary on the church in China. I asked Zach why Vatican officials feel uneasy about this deal. Well, you know, I think the Vatican realizes, and this isn't a surprise, they've done this for a while, is that, you know, they don't have the strongest hand. They have to keep relations warm with Beijing because at any given point, and this has happened throughout history, right? Um, the Catholic Church has tried to play hardball at various points, and it has been devastating for the development of Christianity in China. You go back to the Chinese rights controversy when they tried to lay down the law then, missionaries expelled, right? Um, trying to play hardball with the communists when they took power, expelled. Both sides are well aware of that history and how large that looms. And so the Vatican knows that it has to be really careful because at any point, their negotiation partner could probably cut loose. 
But if the Vatican can keep its relationship with China on good terms, they think that they could have an influence on a global superpower, not just in church issues, but on human rights, too. The Vatican is very aware of the difficulty, but it also realizes that China is going to be a big player on the world scene, and it wants to build to be able to also dialogue and perhaps influence the thinking of China on the big world issues. So, I mean, I've met Vatican officials who've said to me, you know, I won't see the results of this in my lifetime. But where does that put Chinese Catholics in the meantime? They have to think very carefully about the Catholics in China. But also, there are Catholics in China who are quite prepared to suffer more. They have suffered. They, They are suffering, not just the underground church, but also the overground church. I I know for for a fact, even those who are recognized by the government, they too suffer. I think for some underground Catholics, it's made life a lot harder, right? Because government officials have been pressuring them to say, look, the Vatican is now in line, so what's the big deal? You've got other places where, you know, business is going on as usual. Um, But China in general has been really increasing the regulation it has on religion. And that's not just for Catholics, but we've seen a lot more enforcement of rules like children not being exposed to religious education of any kind, um, cameras in churches where there didn't used to be, crosses being taken down. Um, And it's really difficult to tell in whether I think it would be an overstatement to say that the Vatican agreement sort of gave Beijing the green light to to do this, right? I think that they have been on this track for a long time. You know, China brought in the market, got the market under control. It brought in the internet, got the internet under control. And now it's sort of turning its attention to the religious realm and really getting that under its control. The Vatican wants this to work. They see a ton of potential in China. But they also know from experience that China has no problem cutting them off when they don't get their way. The question is, how much is the Vatican willing to put up with to keep this relationship open, especially as China has continued to test the Vatican's limits? The Vatican and China have two years to figure out if they want this relationship to continue and on what terms. In the meantime, each of them wants some things to change. While the Vatican would like to see more freedom of religion for Catholics in China, their terms are actually a lot more basic. Remember, this agreement was only about bishops. In the two years since the deal took effect, only three bishops have been appointed according to the system they set up. Meanwhile, around 40 bishop seats remain open in China. The Vatican needs to see more of those filled, and they confirmed last month that more appointments are coming soon. The agreement also brought the excommunicated bishops back into communion with the church. But the underground bishops still haven't been recognized by China. The Vatican and China need to strike an agreement that will stop those bishops from being persecuted without forcing them to join the Patriotic Association. Finally, they want the bishops to have the freedom to communicate amongst themselves and to meet with Vatican officials. There has been some progress there. Vatican officials visited China and met with some bishops, although those visits were closely monitored. On China's end, there's one more thing that needs to be resolved before they can establish diplomatic relations. Arriving back in Taiwan, the vice president said the Holy See communicated its affirmation of Taiwan as an important partner in humanitarian and charity work. Um, You know, the Vatican still um, maintains diplomatic relations with Taiwan. China would love to see that uh, 
stop. China would require the Vatican to cut off its diplomatic ties with Taiwan. Right now, the Vatican has its embassy to China in Taiwan. So the Vatican would have to move its embassy, which it's willing to do. The Vatican has drawn its line in the sand. But how much will they put up with? Since the deal was renewed in October, the Vatican has pushed back on China. In a new book interview with Austin Ivory, Pope Francis acknowledged China's persecution of the Uyghur Muslims publicly for the first time. And China was not happy. A Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson slammed the Pope's comments, saying they had no factual basis at all. Of course, he did not mention the camps where China is holding more than one million Uyghurs and members of other Muslim minorities. So the Vatican is starting to push back. They want this relationship to work, and China sees that it has things to gain. Taiwan, for one, but also the soft power that comes from being able to say they have an agreement with the Vatican, which helps them get religion under their control. And some also believe that China wants the boost to their international reputation that comes from being friends with a popular pope. Of course, China is quite capable of producing surprises. And they may decide to get Taiwan. We will open to the church on this, this, and this. It's not impossible. There's one more thing that we need to understand here. China and the Vatican are coming at this relationship from completely different angles. The Chinese view is very transactional. It's the way we've been telling this story. What does the Vatican have to give and what can we gain? But the Vatican doesn't operate in that transactional mindset. They're operating from the point of view of dialogue. There's nothing mysterious about how this works. Pope Francis explained it in his recent book. He sees dialogue as being a process that takes time. It's never finished because it's building a relationship. And the dialogue works by finding commonalities and building off of those, rather than focusing primarily on differences and points of conflict. That can seem naive when we're talking about a nation-state that claims to be a moral authority working with a global superpower that's committing human rights abuses against its own citizens. But Christianity is based on the idea that even the worst sinner can be forgiven and change, even if it takes lifetimes. It's what the Chinese called for Mao the long march until he, they got control of the country. Well, the church realizes here, the Vatican realizes that they too are in a long march in China. But they have seen empires come and go and governments come and go. And they know that from the Catholic, the Christian point of view that God is the Lord of history, not the temporal rulers. And that over time, things can change at different levels. China has its own clear political goals. Vatican has religious goals. It's got goals for the spread of the proclamation of the gospel in China. If not in 2022, 23, 24, maybe 2030, maybe 2040. The Vatican is thinking in long term with this agreement. And so is China. There's a Chinese saying that when you cross the river, you, 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 you walk slowly and feel the stones between your feet as you go. You're not running across. You, you want to like feel the, the obstacles beneath your feet slowly so that you don't you know, trip and fall as you go.
learn more about the situation of Catholics in China, you can find our documentary, The Catholic Church in China, on YouTube. You can also read Jerry's coverage of the Vatican-China deal linked in our show notes and at americamagazine.org. Finally, it is the season of giving. If you want to support Inside the Vatican and help us produce more deep dive episodes like this one, please donate at americamagazine.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and mixed by Noah Levinson. Production assistance from the Jesuit Korea in Rome. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. That's inside, without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your questions and comments at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell and Zach Davis, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time.